Second one is, is just transformation, personal and global transformation. Third one is learning. And the fourth one is aesthetics. So with those four things as my north, any opportunities that come into my field of, of experience, if they don't support one of those four, it's an easy no. If they do, then it's an easy yes, right? And so it, it makes the decision-making process so super, super simple, super simple. Um, and then, you know, with that being like my true north, where the, the magnetism pulls me, um, if I have other goals that I'm having a really hard time with, I can align with, all right, how is accomplishing this goal going to support that true value? Because I hate doing this. I don't like this at all. Um, but there are ways to energetically link that to your true value so that you're, you're getting a lot of things done and life is just becoming more and more and more simple. And when life is simple, life is fun. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. Always a blessing to be with you again. And please remember, if you're liking our conversations, share the shows, press that like button, give us a comment, let us know what you think. We always love to know what you think. Well, today we have an extraordinary story to share with you today with the gorgeous and delicious Moonwalker Tucker. <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so good to be here. It's so good to be here, Karen. I really appreciate it. So Moonwalker, formerly Samantha, but Moonwalker today. I love that. And we were just discussing that she's just she's in Puerto what was Puerto Vallarta. Puerto Vallarta, yeah. Puerto Puerto Vallarta. Vallarta. And it's nice and hot over there. It's another rainy day here in Sydney today. So, uh, so she said she doesn't have AC, so she's dripping. Don't, don't worry about it for those people watching on video. I'm just glistening. <laughs> she's glistening. She's glistening. <laughs> I saw, I saw, I don't know how I saw uh, Moon, you know, Moonwalk or Moon, I'll call you Moon. Um, I think it, it might have been a YouTube suggestion, but I came across your story on another podcast show with um, Jeff. What's his last name? Jeff Mara. Well, there's Jeff Mara and then um, no, no, it wasn't Jay Spillers. It was Jay Spillers, I think. Jay. That, it was with Jay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I just so resonated. So let me tell you a little bit about, about Moon. On October 8, 2010, when Moonwalker wrecked her motorcycle, she watched her arm get ground off. As she lay bleeding in a ditch, she experienced a deeply profound near-death out-of-body encounter. While her heart was pumping out blood at an alarming rate, she felt her life force leaving her body. Her consciousness disassociated from her self-sabotaging mental loop, and she saw her life from a different perspective. One, free of all filters, conditioning, and assumed truths that had created her reality up until that point. At that moment of clarity, Moon chose to allow what is and surrendered to what was by not playing the victim anymore. The second she released the past, took responsibility and dropped the excuses, Moon was filled with an awareness of how she created every aspect of her life. For the first time, she saw and understood how our beliefs 
become our life and how we can shift our reality by changing what we believe. In less than three minutes, her true core values were revealed and her beliefs began to change. She was able to see her true self and life as a journey filled with infinite possibility. In 2015, Moon became interested in archery, attracting a para-Olympic gold medalist who taught her how to shoot a bow and arrow with her teeth. He exposed her to the subconscious mind through a book called With Winning in Mind by Lanny Basham. After devouring the book, Moon became a history-making Paralympic archer, the first woman to present the in at the US Open compound archery in Rio de Janeiro's 2016 Paralympic Games. Drawing from her near-death experience and with more than 10 years study on inner healing technologies, science, ancient and modern healing systems, Moon is now the founder of Moonwalker Life Academy and a star of the Awakening Giants TV, inner healing guide and impact speaker, Cambo practitioner, workshop facilitator, podcast guest, and a history-making Paralympian. Moon is driven to serve humanity, helping people to see their innate value, purpose, and prosperity. Her clients cry and laugh as they see themselves differently differently during their transformational healing journey. And your uh, website is moonwalker.me. Yep, moonwalkerlife.me. Yep. Oh, moonwalkerlife.me, sorry. Yeah, moonwalkerlife. Why moonwalker? I was born on July 21st, 1969. And July 20th just kind of goes down in infamy. It's the day man landed on the moon. Well, the 21st was the day man walked on the moon. And it was the 60s and my dad was high and he was just like, <laughs> she's moonwalker. And uh, my grandfather named me Sam and my mom named me Melissa and grandma called me Mo. And I just like, I had a slew of, of names. Um, and so when I came into my own sense of self and decided that I'm at a stage in my life, who, who do I wanna be now? Um, that name Moonwalker has been calling to me. Actually, every time I've changed my first or last name, because names are just a thing, um, kind of like clothes for me. And I always wanted to change it to Moonwalker, but I didn't have the confidence. I just, I didn't feel like I didn't want to deal with anything, you know, all the questions and the family and all the stuff. And it's really liberating when you get to a point where you can just say, I'm just going to be all of who I am. And it's a progressive growth stage, as you know, Karen. You know, um, very few people wake up as we were just talking about um, uh, who was at Byron Katie, you know, just waking up kind of enlightened. Um, you can have that enlightening moment and then there's a progressive stage. There's really never any there to get to. So for right now, I am Moonwalker. Bloody fabulous. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> walking on the moon, walking in the universe. All right. Well, let's hear what happened during your near-death experience because it sounds incredible. And, yeah, we were chatting about Byron County before I turned the recording on because as I heard your experience of how, you know, when you left that, what did you call it, the mental loops, the the loops, the, the, the conditioned mind that's looping all the time about what, you know, what, what can, how can I get what I want, all that looping. When you sort of lifted out of that, you just had this aha realization, but let's hear your story. Yeah, it's it starts in me learning how to do the same loop that my parents and ancestors learned how to do, the same loop that my society has learned how to do, that the world has learned how to do. And so I grew up 
completely normal, like everybody else, you know, um, having my dreams crushed, my desires shamed, my opinions shunned, um, you, you know, and all out of love. And I want to preface this for the audience that what my family, how they conditioned me to be was done with the sincerest of love in the most honorable and conscious way that they knew how to do. Just like as I grew up, I did the same with my kids. I, I passed on those same patterns of behavior and thought and uh, trauma. And so by the time I graduated high school, I'd had physical, emotional, sexual abuse experiences. Um, oh God, I was so depressed that I left home the day after graduation, went to Arizona, became a meth addict, had an abortion within a couple months, um, suicide attempts, you know, strung out on drugs, pregnant, abortion, get pregnant again, marry my dealer, it, you know, violence. And it, it was, I was just in this loop and I just realized, I was like, oh my God, I'm absolutely just repeating all the same patterns. If I don't stop this, this is never going to stop. And, but I didn't know how. So I checked myself into a mental ward once that didn't work. Um, I didn't know how, and nobody that I had in my conscious uh, uh, surroundings was aware of even what, what I was talking about. I was just told you, well, you are who you are and you can't change it. So suck it up. Um, and so I did, I, I buried that moment of hope that I can get out of this cycle. And, and I joined the air force and I, and I had a great career and I learned to smile and I learned to play the game and dance the dance. And nobody knew that that sad, lost, lonely little girl was still inside. And so I had, I was going through my third divorce and my kids weren't speaking to me and, and life was just a massive shithole, Karin. Um, and I knew that I didn't have what it take to continue through life. And I knew that I would have one shot at, an att at a suicide, right? And I'd, I'd already tried before. I knew how kind of difficult that can be. And, but I'm in the military and I work for the military and that's my, my life. So it's during Iraq and Afghanistan. And I was like, I bet I can, I can get myself in a position to deploy. And so I did with the full intention of coming back in a box. So that was my honorable suicide. And so October 8th, 2010, I'm in the unit. We're six months away from the deployment, fighting with my husband. I've been up all night crying and I, it's Friday and I've got this thing I got to go to at night at this church volunteer organization. And, and I'm just stressed to the max. So I get on my motorcycle and I'm in Kentucky, which is hilly and beautiful and it's fall and the colors are just stunning. And and I get myself to work and I'm really relaxed because riding the motorcycle always relaxes me. And I'm, I made it through Friday and I was just right back in that loop, right? I'm on my motorcycle in the parking lot, just crying and upset. And I don't want to go home and I don't know what to do. And I don't want to go to this thing because I've got this voice in my head saying, what do you mean volunteering for help? They're not gonna, They don't need you. Who do you think you are? You know, and, and just that negative loop. And then I hear another voice that says, hey, you want to go sing karaoke at the bar? That's the choice I made. And so I was riding on my motorcycle behind my coworker and on a road that I wasn't familiar with. And Fort Knox has tanker units, the wide tanks. And as they crest a hill, they take the outside for the safety of the oncoming traffic. And those, those tracks will break up the asphalt. And so I crested a hill going about 45 miles an hour and just didn't see it because I was crying and not paying attention and I was upset. And 
I saw the debris and I was on the outside of the lane and there was nothing I could do. You know, I just, I just said, oh shit. And the next thing I know I'm in this space. I'm, it's not even space. I'm in a, I'm somewhere. And I, I don't have any awareness of my body. I don't hear anything. Um, I don't feel anything. I, I, I just simply see this, this massive, beautiful lights just floating past my vision. And so I just kind of naturally follow one of them. And as I do, I see my legs bouncing on the highway and quickly, all I remember saying is this can't be happening. This can't be happening. I didn't even know it was happening, but I was like, whatever that is, is not good. This can't be happening. Right. Uh, but I, I couldn't make a sound and I couldn't hear anything still. I couldn't feel anything. And so I realized that those, those lights must be sparks and I am being drugged down the highway by my motorcycle. And at, and I'm looking at the lights again and it's just gray. And, and then all of a sudden there was this huge explosion. And it was when the motorcycle had gone all the way down the asphalt and hit the ditch and it stopped. And it snapped me out of that, you know, out of body experience I was having. And at that point, whew, you know, I'm burning. I have this 750 pound motorcycle on top of me. The throttle is stuck and the wheel is right here. That was that gray color that was behind all of the sparks. And so I, I push myself out of that and I stand up and I just take off running. I'm running down the road and I look at my arm and it's gone. It's just, it's a, it's a bloody mess because the artery is gone. And my coworker stops me and she lays me in the ditch and she, it's, it was a, it was a mess. It's not a pretty scene and she has uh, PTSD. And so she was really triggered. And so she was handling that in the best way she could, which was to, to separate. So I'm laying there in the ditch and I realize, all right, my arm's gone, artery's bleeding. I have up to maybe two and a half, three minutes, maybe. So, you know, kind of calm myself down and, I, and I'm looking and, I, and there's beautiful clouds drifting by and the trees and just blowing in the wind. And, I, and I'm feeling the grass on my hand and, and I did something that I normally had never done before. I had never really sat and was present with my own self. And I took a really deep inhale and just felt it and went, wow, that feels so good. Do it again. And is this gonna be my last one? And I knew that one of them real soon was gonna be, I was getting thirsty, um, getting tired, getting, getting weak. And so I didn't have at that moment where I was becoming aware that, oh my God, I'm really dying which is the thing I've been wanting for 41 years, how it's really happening. And I, and I realized that the breath felt so good. I was just going to stay with the breath. And in, in that, that, that rhythmic cycle of breathing, I just entered into a, a place of surrender. And when I entered into that place of surrender card, that's when everything shifted, everything shifted. And that, I no longer was in my body anymore, right? I was in consciousness space. That the real me, the me, 
my soul. I was, I was like unified with my soul again and with the universe and with everything. And I experienced a welcoming and a love that I had never, ever experienced before. I've been looking for my whole life. I just wanted somebody to make me feel wanted and welcome. And here I am bathing in it, right? And I, and I hear another voice. And this voice came from me and through me and to me. There was no distance or time or space. And it just simply said, you are mine. What a beautiful welcoming message, right? Repeat it again, you are mine. I was like, ooh, that's, that's not what I expected because I'd grown up with a lot of religious fear. Like this, this isn't anywhere in any of my learnings or teaching, um, but damn, it feels good, you know? And so I was just completely surrendered to it. And God being kind of the sense of humor that God has, um, which is my sense of humor because we are all one, right? It was like, okay, so now that I got your attention, let's, let's, have, let's have a conversation. So you listen, I'm going to talk. I was like, oh, I'm up for that. That sounds good. Yeah, finally listening, right? Um, and throughout the course of probably 45 seconds, I mean, this couldn't have, this, all of this couldn't have taken long. I was able to look at my life from a perspective of outside of my identity as this human, but also as the identity of this human, because I was able to look at all the different experiences in my life and realize that, why did I believe that? Is that really true? Who says that's true? What are they, how's their life going? Is this somebody I want to model? What, where's the proof? And is that proof or is that just somebody else saying the same thing that they're saying because we're all saying the same thing? And, and oh my God, so I really am not these things that I had thought were my limitations. And I, and I was able to, with the help of God, to make all of these connections and realize, oh, I put me in that ditch. This wasn't anybody's fault. My three divorces weren't anybody's fault. The kids don't talk to me. It's nobody's fault. I, I did this. Now, I wasn't aware that I was doing this. I wasn't even aware how I was doing it. So there wasn't like I was like condemning and blaming myself, which I had done most of my life. It was just an awareness, objective observation. Oh, honey, you were trained to be this way. You, you lived your role out perfectly. <laughs> you want to change now? And just a complete sense of peace and realizing that nothing I thought was true was true. And everything I thought was untrue, I'm kind of having a little experience of right now. And so I really don't know anything. I don't know what this means. I don't know what it means at all, but it's going to be freaking fantastic. That was, that was my, my mindset. I don't know what this means, but it's going to be freaking fantastic. And a soldier came and put a tourniquet on my arm and you know, started asking me questions. And when I realized that I was going to live, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to live. <gasps> That's when I was like, I don't know what this means, but this is going to be so good because now I know I have the formula. I have the key to life. I have all the answers and the answers are there aren't any answers, but there's also no, no condemnation. Just explore and learn and love and accept and be curious and love yourself and have compassion and when we can look at ourselves that way and start to look at other people that way, that's in that space 
that's the space that is necessary for somebody to come out of their own fishbowl, that space of acceptance and welcome and appreciation and compassion, where people can start seeing themselves differently. And so that's what my near-death experience, experience did for me. It was the first time I was able to see who I was simultaneously seeing who I wasn't and realizing, wow, it's just so beautiful. I had everything wrong. I had everything wrong. You know, I, I almost died never living my life. I almost died never allowing myself to be happy. And those are the two top um, statements for marks of people who are dying in long-term care is that I never allowed myself to be happy. I never lived my own life. So here I was, one of the lucky few that gets a chance to do it over again. Now, what am I going to do with it? And my, my number one thing is just have fun, be curious, go with the flow, help people, love yourself. It's a lot of number ones. But, you know, it changed my whole filter of how I see the world and how I saw myself. Oh, so beautiful. So amazing. <laughs> I just love your story. And as I said, it reminds me of the epiphany Byron had in order to turn into the teacher that she has become and change the lives of millions of people across the planet. Because, you know, we hear so many NDEs and people talk about the love and they talk about talking to Jesus and they talk about life reviews and they talk about all this stuff in NDEs. But that epiphany of knowing that we are creating all of it simply because we're believing the thought, I think is the key puzzle piece in the whole game of life. It is. It's the key to life. Yeah. It is the key to life. And if, you know, movies and movements like the law of attraction have done a lot to help bringing people into what is this, what is this energy of thought type thing? Mm -hmm. um, I think that there's some gaps that are definitely missing in that messaging. Um, but there are people that are coming into it. And Karen, the science is now right. proving it. I mean, it's no longer weird woo woo shit. <laughs> you know, if you're like, I don't believe all that spiritual stuff. Well, are you, do you like science? Cause I got more science and I got spirituality on this. Right. I mean, I've been one with God and everything, but I can't share that, but we can all, we can all share science and then we can all share our personal experiences. And, and I think that especially in this time right now, Karen, it's so important for us to all share our story because we've all had and I hope people hear this in the in the heart that I that I mean it. Globally, we've all had a near death experience the past two years, and I and I want people to appreciate that in themselves. We've all just gone through a collective major shift that has changed everything in our life. There's nobody out there who is living the same life now that they were two years ago, and. So many people don't know who they are. They don't know how to feel safe and secure and how to connect with themselves and people. And they're wondering, what is life about? There's got to be more than this. What can I count on? Like, that's, that's a huge question. Who and what can I count on right now? Every day, something's changing. Every day. And so we've all had our near-death experience. And if we can sit with that in a place of it is what is, and let's just look at it and shut the TV off and start asking some questions of why do I believe what I believe? Where am I learning that from? Is it actually true? Have I explored the opposite of that? 
like just start getting curious. That's how kids, you know, kids are geniuses at life. Freaking geniuses. They're curious about everything. They believe they can do anything. There isn't any no, and they just love. So I think it's time for us to return, like Jesus said, you know, at least you become like a little child. You'll never enter the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of heaven is within. It's that inner child of watching your arm get ground off and going, I don't know what this means, but it's going to be great, right? <laughs> that just sounds crazy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, my God. I'm sure you and I have known each other for like eternity. <laughs> We've done this before, sister. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, uh, I felt that when I was hearing you talk uh, on the other show. Um, yeah, exactly. What, what did I want to say to that? There's so many things I wanted to say to that, but I've lost my train of thought now. Um, be as the little children. Yeah, questioning the thought. Exactly, Moon, exactly. People just don't question what they believe. And, and, when, and when you as a friend or a practitioner or depending on the setup of the circumstances in the conversation, I've done this with friends, when I question what they believe and say, is it true, they, say, they, stick, they stick to the story. And then you say, but what's the opposite of that? Like, what do you want? It's like, no, no, you have to hear this story. It's like they're so stuck in that story and they just, you know, without questioning it, we just, we, that's the only reality we can experience. Yeah. And, you know, let's look at like peel back the layers on that a little bit. And, and I didn't have the ability to challenge my, my beliefs because I was taught that I didn't have the right to challenge my beliefs wow. as a child. Wow. And I think there's a lot of children like that. I mean, the philosophy growing up was you're to be seen and not heard. And how dare you? I mean, like, I was afraid to ask questions. If I asked a question that was, didn't want to be answered. There, there could be capital punishment, you know? So that's a deep seated fear of questioning authority mm. that is really um, a, a sticky point to get past. Right. I think yeah. now is the perfect time to start pushing past those sticky points as a collective. Yeah. Question. So many people exactly. like us that are just like, all right, I've ne- you know, for me, I've ne- never done a lot of online stuff. I'm all online now and I'm I resisted it. Oh, I resisted it because I love the face-to-face. I love yeah. it. I love just getting with people. But now I have friends around the world and I'm able to experience what they're experiencing through them. And that broadens my awareness. Absolutely. Right. And so I don't think you know who you are until you've traveled. Um, because you're certainly not who you've been conditioned to be. And even when we can't travel, when we're connecting with people around the world, we're connecting with versions of ourselves opportunities and possibilities and so I'm, I'm really really loving that we can we can get past that questioning authority um it's up to us to encourage people to do it and help them through it though it's hard I love that you said we're going through a collective near-death experience somebody else said that to me on the show too and I can't remember who it was somebody last year and it's so true you know like when you listen to people's near-death experiences what happens to them ultimately is they shift their perspective of who they are I mean that's every every single person that has an edit that happens and that's what's happening to us collectively um we're shifting our perspective of what this life is all about what's possible who we are inside it but it's it's interesting there was a lot of pain and fear before that happened right there was a lot of trauma before the shift 
in in the in many near death experiences. Like I was sharing with you with Byron Katie, I said that your story reminds me of hers, but she didn't have a near death experience in that she didn't you know have an accident and die. She just woke up one morning in a different perspective, like still embodied. Like I say, she woke up dead. But she spent 10 years of debilitating depression to get there, <laughs> to get to that experience. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know that I, I love how Abraham Hicks, you're familiar with, with Abraham Hicks, the Ooh, channeler, yeah. Esther Hicks. Mm-hmm. She, she's got a metaphor. She, every, every subject is, has two ends. It's the end of what you want and the end of what you don't want. It's, it's fear, it's love, it's courage, it's, it, you know, it's um, whatever the opposite of courage is. Cowardice, I don't think that's it, though. Every, every subject has two ends of the stick. So you have to have that experience with darkness. Absolutely have to. As, as a soul, I believe it's why we came here. You know, looking back at my near-death experience, even though I was in pure love and bliss and acceptance and, and welcoming, there, there weren't the spikes and the highs and the lows and the, the, and the flavor of sourdough bread and chocolate ice cream and toes in, in mud and like holding a fish and there, all these things that are, are beautiful. And there wasn't also, you know, breaking an arm and bleeding out and getting divorced and having your heart broken and, and all of the things. But without the lows, you can't have the highs, right? I mean, if you just look at, at a sine wave, there's lows and there's highs. And since we all are vibration and energy, isn't it kind of crazy for us to think that we could take our vibration and come to a place where there's no lows <laughs> when we're in physical form? Um, yeah. I don't know if we have to have the trauma in order to experience what we, who we truly are. Because there are many people who are not having near-death experience or spending debilitating years in depression that are watching podcast shows and having an awakening. But what does happen is that when we listen to stories like yours or everyone else's teachings and stories is we intrinsically understand it because it's a part of our knowing. But then to really experience it, that's when life gives you those experiences, like the breakup, you know, having your heart broken, getting sacked from a job, I don't know, going through the floods, losing your house. You know, that's when life gives you the opportunity to really experience what you're learning from listening to podcast shows. Like that, it really drops in, it really starts to like, aha, uh-huh, now I understand this. Now I understand this. Yeah. 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 But, and looking but, at that, that, that stick, right? The, the subjects, well, pain is there to tell you, ah, oh, go the other way. Mm-hmm. You know, look, look at the opposite end. It's like pain in the body is is a, is a warning. There's something not right. Pay attention to this, right? Yeah. So when we have pain, pay attention to it. Let me ask and, you, speaking of yeah. pain, just getting into some gory details, <laughs> when you were bleeding out in the ditch, were you in pain or were you sort of outside of pain? The body has an amazing natural drug. Right. Morphine. Yeah, it's... Right. It, it, it it kicked in. So I wasn't in pain the first like 45 minutes, Yeah. but I was in the ditch like an hour and 15 minutes. Wow. Um, and so it, it got to the point where every, like everybody that would come in my vision, I was like, would you just please knock me out, knock me out, knock me out, knock me out. And then, you know, internal bleeding and things like that. And they wouldn't knock me out until I got a, a in an MRI machine, you know, um, which was hours later. So there was in, very much intense pain. And then I told the doctors, 
in the state, whatever state I was in, because they asked what he's allergic to. And so I gave him the things that I'm allergic to and the morphine I'm allergic to. So they put me on morphine for days and I'm so whacked out. I, I can't really communicate. And so I'm itching and the pain's not going away. And it's, it's just, yeah, it's crazy. I'm allergic to most pain meds. Right. So um, th that was a, an interesting experience. They finally put me on a synthetic uh, heroin to oh, okay. called the, what is it? I can't even remember what it's called, but to finally abate the pain. It was, it was painful, but you know, I've, I've, there were aspects of my healing process that were physically more painful. Yeah. But yeah. So, but yeah, it, I like to say it stung a bit. Yeah. Uh, and when you were in your out of body experience in that place of unconditional love and expansive, expanded awareness, and you heard the voice say, you're mine. Did you just have a feeling like, what were you experiencing? Were you seeing anything or were you just experiencing yourself alone in an altered state? Like what was happening? Yeah, it was very much, I would say in now that I've done yoga and I have breathing practices and meditation and self-hypnosis, and I know how to, you know, get my, my heart centers, my energy centers in alignment. What I was experiencing there is I can replicate. So I was in a very altered state of consciousness where I was more observing and not, I was more objective and not subjective. So for me, that was completely altered. I had never been aware of being in that state before. And so as I'm in this objective state and I was just, I don't want to say counting down the seconds, but the seconds were counting down. And so I was just focused on my breath and it was during that when you get into that altered kind of the absolute flow state, that's when the voice kicked in. And it was when all of the noise in my head could tune down enough to hear what was there all along. I believe that that voice had been saying that same phrase to me my whole life. And I couldn't dial into it. So in doing just that simple breathing practice, I was able to dial into it. And that's why I want to, give some hope to the audience if they're thinking, and I've had people say, God, I wish I could have a near-death experience so I could have the freedom and the joy and the happiness that you have. And I'm like, sister, brother, you can sit down and start getting this good stuff right here today. Now it sounds simple. So people don't want to do it. That sounds yeah, breathing. What do you mean breathing? That's I do that all day and I'm stressed out. Right. Uh, but it, it really is that simple. We have at our disposal now, Karen, as, as I'm sure you you know, techniques and tools and processes to replicate all of that. You know, people are, are you can learn to lucid dream. You can learn to astral project. Um, yeah, altered states of consciousness are, are absolutely amazing um, because that is the awareness where the expanded consciousness can connect with you. We do. We have so many techniques. It is amazing and profoundly simple and profoundly simple. And it, because it is profoundly simple, people seem to want to make it much more complicated. Got <laughs> like, to be complicated, right? Like you say about Esther, I remember she said from the teachings of Abraham, you know, we have a lot of words, we say a lot of words and you say, oh, too complicated. We can make it really simple. Get happy. And then you say, oh, too simple. Oh, too simple. <laughs> yes. I want to... It's kind of like ordering a Starbucks coffee. You know what? I want half calf, half light, half half coconut milk. Like I, it's it can't be too complex, but it certainly can't be black coffee. It can't be that easy. You know, my caffeine's got to come in a special delivery package. Um, 
And you know, the thing is, it's out there for people that want to do that too. There are courses of study, like a course in miracles. I had the book. I was like, oh Jesus, that's years of study. I that, uh-huh. that's I'm gonna go down a different, different study route. But the thing is, is if you truly want it, and that's the point. If you truly want it and it's in alignment with what you truly value, you can have it any way you want. Yeah. You can get your enlightenment, you can get your happiness in any way you want. My way is not going to look like your way. And I, I tell everybody that I have this conversation with is that we're all responsible for walking our own selves home. And everybody's path is different. It all leads home. But you got to get yourself there. And you can't follow my path. It's not going to work. We're all responsible for walking our own selves home. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, we had Jeff Granville on the, in the Inner Sanctum, which is my group sessions that I do monthly with uh, people that I've had on the show. And I'll invite you in next year, maybe, uh, to meet the tribe. To meet the tribe, and people ask questions, mind you. People's stories are so compelling because you know the the show is about listening and witnessing people's stories. And you can't ask questions, so I I invite people to come in on the group, and people are so captivated by. People people's teachings that they don't ask hardly any questions and I'm like come on guys don't you have questions but he was talking about that too he was uh with his uh, a few years ago with his young son McCoy in a hospital where he was going through this procedure and you know life and death sort of thing and and just when I say just I can't use that word just that that simple breathing technique and mindful presence mm-hmm. allowed them to go through these incredibly invasive medical procedures without any painkillers and and experience no pain yeah and, and that's his story and, and he he's teaching the same thing that you're talking about you know you can you can experience that by having your arm grind off in a car accident motorbike accident or you can experience it just by sitting and breathing yes uh, yeah and getting into that space of um that frequency that frequency yeah of love yeah yeah because i have had as many I'd say at least a half a dozen deeply profound shifts since my near-death experience that I would put on par with it. Right. That didn't have any trauma mm-hmm. associated with it at all. It was during it, it, simple, you know, there's psilocybin, breathing, mm-hmm. um, walking in nature, meditation, you know, uh, journaling. Because Because when the truth lands and you're open to receive it the shift that happens changes the whole trajectory of your life and you know my near-death experience kind of blossomed me and opened me up and allowed for me to see different possibilities and now I'm drawn to learning techniques and 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 procedures and like here's just some hands-on stuff that we can all do to get us where we're all going anyway, let's just go there faster, right? Because I, I believe that the soul is on an ascending journey. We're walking ourselves back home to oneness. And I believe when we get to oneness, we're going to be like, yeah, it only took 6 billion years or whatever it is, you know, let's do it again. I need to right? 350,000 lifetimes to get here, but I made it. <laughs> I know, right? But there's got to be more to experience, right? Because there's other, there's other ways of, of being a living form than what we know on this earth. I mean, if, like, just look what technology can show us of the, what do they have, like a trillion galaxies or something now that they've identified? It, like the possibilities literally are endless. Yeah. Yeah, infinite possibility. Yeah, that's what excites me about all this is, you know, we never really make it so that's like the end. So now I'm in human form and I'm, I'm, I'm enlightened. 
we just make it to a new shift in consciousness and then what can we create from that perspective so we've been creating our life from one perspective mostly based in fear and trauma and then when we shift out of fear and trauma what else is possible like that's what excites me like what else that is exactly it and and so that's your parrot in the background hello (laughs) that's yep and she's there you go the neighbor's parrot at least she's not right outside the door because if she is it's so loud oh it's the neighbor's parrot so that's what you experienced during that uh you know that epiphany that life is a you know a, a series of endless possibilities how did that land when you had to sort of deal with you know getting into hospital having operations and living without a um is it is it your left hand left hand it's so it was ground off from here down so this is actually from, my from stomach. the shoulder down it was ground off. yeah so it took my whole bicep all wow. the way down to the wrist wow. so this is from my stomach so my appendectomy scars right here um yeah. Yeah. And I've lost a bunch of weight. So the sleeve is really loose, but so how it was, um, people were, so I just moved to Kentucky. I didn't have really any friends. I had coworkers. I had gone to that church group twice for the volunteer thing. Um, and I had, I had coworkers and, and that was it. So I'm, I'm in the hospital they want to amputate my arm and I'm on pain meds. That I, I can't even think like for five days, I don't even know what's going on. And, and so finally my mom and, and sister flew in and um, my dad came in and my, one of my daughters came in and, but before then, like the church group was amazing. They, they, I, that just, I, I had constant streams of people that cared about me, didn't even know who I was, but they cared about me. And so I remember one, one morning, it was, I think it was like the third, fourth morning. And I, the doctor came in and said, or the nurse came in and said, the doctor's on his way in and he needs to know whether or not you're going to go for the amputation or the reconstruction. And I said, oh, okay. And at this point, I'm like, I'm having a really hard time holding a thought. And there were about six people in the room. And I said, here's what I need you to do. Cause I don't even know if I'm gonna be able to stay awake for this. When the doctor comes in, I need you to ask him every question as if it were you in this bed and write down the answers because I'm not going to remember anything. Right. Um, and so for, for me, I was just get the arm cut off and let's go have some fun. Cause I don't know what this means, but it's going to be great. And so at, after about 31 days, I got released. I ended up moving in with my boss and his wife that I had met twice and because I needed somewhere to go, you know, I was not in, in, in good shape. And I was just happy, absolutely happy. I changed my whole life. I changed my friends. Um, I had never, I I was just like oddly happy all the time. And so I ended up going to occupational therapy and my my therapist is like, you're really handling this well. She goes, would you be interested in working with me with universities and doctors and colleges? I go around and I teach like patient advocacy. And she actually helped write the book on combat amputations and care. So she really knew her stuff. And so I started teaching and then like coaching amputees. And so it's, it's been the most beautiful experience. You know, this, this arm is the best gift I've ever given myself, period. You know, and I I often say, if people ask kind of a question like, like that, you know, how's it been? Um, If I could go back and I could have my arm, but I had to be her. No way. No way. You know, this is a reminder every day that where I'm focusing, 
it's coming right back at me and it's going to, and it's not going to look like I, I thought it was, but it's going to be my, my order, right? I was looking for answers to how to get out of life and I got them, you know, self-sabotaged my own suicide attempt, but you know, everything that is in our life, we, we create, I'm sorry. I think I went on a rabbit trail there, but yeah, it's, um, I've just been really freaking happy and people just didn't understand. I've just you know? been really freaking happy. <laughs> I had I had my most my arm amputated and I've just been really freaking happy. <laughs> you know, I love your paraphrase of my quote. I'm gonna put that on there. I had my arm ground off and I'm just really freaking happy. <laughs> that sounds crazy. It sounds, sounds crazy. Sounds perfect. It sounds beautiful. Oh. So let's hear the um experience with the archery. Obviously, you've you've only got one arm, so it takes two. So let's hear how that happened. That's, you know, and that's exactly it. Like, obviously I've got one arm and it takes two. So I was living, I moved to Boise after um, about a year and a half after my accident. And, and it was part of, I had gone through all the surgeries and everything, and I didn't have a close relationship with my family. So I went to Boise to spend time with them. And I was spending time with my brother, big hunter, God, amazing, just an amazing sportsman. And he's like, sis, you should shoot a bow you know, we shoot guns. And I was like, I should shoot a bow. Let's do this. So we go down to a store and walk up to the counter and the guy's got a ball cap on, you know, and he looks at my brother. He's like, what can I do you for? And he said, nope, her. And so I was like, well, I want to learn to shoot. And he goes, okay, well, are you left-handed or right-handed? And I said, I'm one-handed. He looks at me and he goes, oh, 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 ma'am, ma'am. There's a two-arm minimum for this sport. It's like, you gotta fucking be kidding me, right? Well, I said, <laughs> I was like, I was like, really? He goes, Well, think about it. You pick up the bow and you draw back. And I was like, okay, <laughs> makes sense. Thought there might be a workaround, but no, okay. And so I left left that store and mentally I put archery in a box that's about this big of things I can't do. Cause I have discovered that I can do mostly everything except for laundry and dishes. Never recovered that skill. And, and so I put it in there with laundry and dishes and forgot about it. And then about a year and a half later, um, I had this kind of whimsical offer to go move to California and work for a prosthetist who makes the artificial limbs. And I thought this is going to be a great experience to work with amputees and kind of help shift their mindset and, you know, just be an advocate, you know, because when I say I understand, I understand. And so I go out there and it was one of the first patients that I interacted with this guy, again, big ball cap comes wheeling in, in a, in a wheelchair and we're talking and he's like, do you like to hunt? And I said, well, I have. And he's like, bow hunting. I was like, mm. found out there's a two hand minimum for that. He goes, really? You wait right here. And he just rolls himself out. And I was like, okay. So it pretty soon he rolls back in. He's pushing this big round, probably four foot tall white, like target. And I was like, Ooh, wow. Okay. Um, not sure we got going on here. And he hands me a bow and he says, now taking a leash, and I, where, where your fingers would be, I've sewn a leash on there. He said, and what you're going to do is you're going to put that between your back two molars, way back there. Not these ones, not, not these ones, but way back there. Just going to bite down really hard. And you're just going to push the, the bow away from you in the general direction of the target. And then just relax your jaw. He said, you don't have to open it. You just relax it. And I did that, Karen, and I got chills. I was like, ooh, this feels good. And so... Uh, He's like, well, I live about 45 minutes away. I do some classes every now and then, you know, come, come do some classes. So I, I came and I'm, I'm on the range and I'm just, I'm literally just killing it. 
it's just like 20 yards right in the center. Everything's great. Having a good time. Um, he's like, wow, you don't have any bad habits. I was like, never shot before. He said, you know, if you do everything I say, there's a chance you could make the Paralympics in 2016. And I would have blown him off except for he's a three-time Paralympian. And I was like, really? I said, are you just saying that to make me do whatever you tell me to do? Because <laughs> you'd be the first person I've ever followed every instruction. No, he goes, no, seriously. He said, you can do it. You've got 19 months if you do everything I say. And so I did. Um, and he started the same way that I that I work with my training of anything with the foundational principles and built from principle and from principle and from principle. And I made the national team in six months and the world team in eight months. And I did win the slot for the Paralympics and was the first woman, like you said, in the bio to represent the US. And it was it was totally surreal, but it was it was part of that. I don't know what this means, but it's gonna be fun. So now here I am. And I end up moving to Colorado with a stranger and we're training for archery every day. And for 19 months, all I did was shoot, shoot arrows around the world. And so, you know, it's just, it was great. And I knew when I shot that last arrow at the, at the Olympics that I was done with the sport, I'd had my experience and that's all I was after. And I would move on to something else. And it was absolutely delightful and weird and wonderful all at the same time. God, your sense of wanting to live life and that it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. With my work, the hardest thing I have to do is to try and convince people of how amazing they are. <laughs> like, I just got an email from a, a client, an old client that I had a, a year or so ago who's just one of the most amazing women. And um, I, you know, I took her to meet her spirit guides and I, you know, did the breathing, like did all that stuff that, you know, put her in that space to, to try and get her to understand, but still, but still not, not still. She, she went through trauma and that she lost a job. She had this high paying job, earning lots of money. They had to sell their house. Like she, so she's going through all the trauma. Um, and then she just fixed all the pieces. So she got another job and went back into the old routine of life, which is paying the bills, working in, you know, like the old routine. And then, you know, there's so much more that's possible for us, really. Um, yeah. yeah so we've, much more that's possible. We've been bamboozled into believing that certain things, in, you know, Cara and I had, like I said, I had the smile, I had the toys, I had the motorcycle, I had the house, I had I had all the stuff, yeah. right? I had all the titles, I had all the influence. I was dead inside. Yeah. Like, my, my, my suicide was a, was a formality. And I, you know, who is it? Henry David Thoreau that says that the mass of men are walking down and walking through life in quiet desperation. Mm -hmm. I was one of them. And all you got to do is walk down the street and it's just person after person after person that's this empty shell because they don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. And they're walking, you can just, you can just hear the stories. I can, I can almost physically see the story just swirling around their head and they're just trapped in this identity that's not even true right. and they can't see it. And I, yeah. So like, peeling back those layers right yeah and, and they resist it with another story and you help them peel back another and they resist it with another story but I, I firmly believe that when the time is right everything that you said to her that spoke wisdom with her higher self will come back oh yeah I I, I agree too she's amazing yeah. and she'll get there she'll definitely yeah. get there but it's just as a as a coach like you like as a teacher as a mentor that's the hardest thing we have to do is to 
you know, help convince people. We don't have to convince them, but have them, what did you say, walk that path back home, walk their yeah, own path Yeah, walk themselves home. back home. Walk themselves yeah. back home, yeah. Back yeah. home to that, that extraordinary creative potential that we are that extraordinary creative potential that we are. We can do anything, right? We can do anything. And we don't need arms and legs to do it. There's a great Australian evangelist actually lives in the States now called Nick Vujicic. Have you heard of Nick Vujicic? I have seen Nick Vujicic. Yes, I have. Just an amazing individual. I mean, So he was born, no legs, no arms, no worries, mate. He goes, no legs, no arms, no worries, mate. Like he's such an Aussie, such an amazing speaker. I've seen him speak here in Australia one of the most incredible speakers I've ever seen, like the energy in this man. And he's just a torso and a head. Yeah. I know, right? Just <laughs> hop around. He's got a, a, a beautiful little short film, I think called The Butterfly Effect, that uh-huh. if you haven't watched, um, just a delightful piece. Yeah, he, he, is a, he is a born-again Christian, so he is, a, he is evangelistic. So he will tell you that the devil's out to get you and all that sort of, you know, dogmatic yeah. stuff. Yeah. But when he's not talking to Christian audiences, when he's talking to corporate audiences or secular audiences, He's amazing, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but that that sense that that sense of infinite possibility in that man who you know who everybody would say you can't do anything but lie, you know, just lie still because you've got no arms and legs. It's just yeah, yeah. You look at a gentleman like that, and I remember looking at people like that and going, "Oh God, I'm glad that's not me," or or having pity instead of looking at somebody like that and going, "Well, if." He can have this amazing life and be happy. And his wife is stunning and his two kids right. and he travels around the world and he right. does things he loves. Uh, why can't I? He does right? anything he, he wants does, to do. Everything. Yeah, he does anything. everything he wants to do. Yeah. 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 So, and when I saw him speak in Sydney a few years ago, uh, there was a, we we're in a big center with lots of people. Uh, he was outside and then people were just flocking to him. He has that magnetic energy too, that people just want more. Like you've got something I want and I want, I, you need to give it to me, but yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah. why I'm saying this, that we can all be that person, right? Like you're yes. one of those people. And uh, so what else happened, you know, since then? So that was, 12 years ago 2010 what else has been that you've been traveling the world and yeah so I spent um the 19 months doing uh archery and then after that I hit the stage and I hit podcasts and I started coaching and and helping people develop their story and it was still um still in development and I loved that and then uh, I fell in love and took about two and a half years and it, it had been the first time I'd ever had a romantic relationship when I was coming to it whole and not needing. And so I spent a couple of years with him. Um, he's a very high level consciousness person. And so we did a lot of playing and exploring in our heads, right? And just learning and exploring. That's where we met. We met at an NLP conference. You know, I one morning I was I was meditating and I came out of meditation and I heard open Facebook. And I was like, that can't be you. You know, that's, that's not open in Facebook, open Facebook. So I opened Facebook and there were this, this friend of mine who had two free tickets to go to California for um, uh, this conference. And I was like, so I called up this guy I'd gone on one date with. And I was like, you want to come with me to California? We're leaving tomorrow. And so we'd left, you know, drove the 16 hours there, spent the two days at the conference. Um, I bought tickets to go back three days to the trainer that taught the NLP. So I drove him home, picked up another friend I'd met once Draw her out. She went at the conference with me. Um, we all signed up for the training, learned NLP. That's where I met him and a bunch of my other, uh, you know, coach friends. And 
just absolutely had a blast. Um, and then I decided the COVID hit. And then last July, I decided that I wanted to explore and travel because it's in my blood. It's my number one. I've, and I've probably mentioned throughout here until you know who you are. Um, you don't know, you, you don't know your key to life, right? It's your key to life. Knowing you is your key to life. And so when I was able to go through some processes and figure out what my true values are, my, my higher self's true values came here for this life experience for, then it makes decision-making easy. And my number one value is travel and adventure. And so if I don't do things that are in alignment with that, I get miserable and depressed. And I can go right back to that, right back to that dark space. I've been there a couple of times since that near-death experience. So I don't want the audience to think that that's a get out of the, the waves of the ups and downs of life free. It, it isn't, but I, I'm equipped with tools to handle it. So I decided, well, I'm just going to sell everything. Um, my boyfriend and I broke up on the way here to Mexico. And uh, we got here in November. And he went back in January and now I'm living in a jungle apartment that I just moved into on the side of a hill <laughs> surrounded by jungle. And that's, that's my adventure right now. I have no idea where I'm going to be in six months. Yeah. The next, that's you're in the next, next <laughs> in the next adventure. I yes. Know. Yes. Okay. So you said something really profound that I have to just reiterate when you know what your soul's core values are, it's easy to make decisions. That's that's like that's an aha moment then because so many people get so stressed about this. What should I do? Shall I sell my house? Shall I stay? Shall I go overseas? Shall I stay? Shall I do this? Shall I do that? Shall I do? And then they're all sort of in this whirlpool of like indecisiveness. But right when you know what your soul's core values, not your personality's core values, because the personality has core values. Oh, you know, I've got to you know be a good mother. Or I've got to do this. Or I've got to that. But what your soul is wanting to experience, when you really know that, it's easy to make decisions. Yeah, and yeah. you can just you can get rid of the dross. You can just say, does it matter if I own a house or not own a house? I mean, does any of that does it matter if I'm successful yeah. or not successful? Have money? Don't have? Is any of that important? And yeah. uh, not really. <laughs> not not really. really. No. You know. And so now I'm here in Puerto Vallarta honoring the top four of my values and I'll share that with the audience so they know kind of what that means my top one is travel and adventure the second one is transformation personal and global transformation third one is learning and the fourth one is aesthetics so with those four things as my north any opportunities that come into my field of of experience if they don't support one of those four it's an easy no if they do, then it's an easy yes, right? And so it, it makes the decision-making process so super, super simple, super simple. Um, and then, you know, with that being like my true north, where the, the magnetism pulls me, um, if I have other goals that I'm having a really hard time with, I can align with, all right, how is accomplishing this goal going to support that true value? Because I hate doing this. I don't like this at all. Um, that there are ways to energetically link that to your true value so that you're, you're getting a lot of things done and life is just becoming more and more and more simple. And when life is simple, life is fun. Another aha moment there, when life is simple, life is fun. So what would you suggest to people to get them in touch with their soul's core value, like what they what their soul is valuing, what their soul is wanting to get out of this lifetime, this life experience? Because we might have several life experiences, we might want different experiences in each life. 
apart from yeah. having a near-death experience or going through hypnosis. I mean, people find that out in hypnosis. Maybe just right. breathe. Just breathe and get get centered. Yeah. Because it's such an impactful aspect of living a happy life. I'm very, very direct with people on how to how to find your values. There's a there's a process, and that's the, the course that I have out right here. Um, based a lot on different instructors that I've studied under, Dr. Uh, John Demartini is brilliant. Um, he's got a book called The Values Factor. It's great. It has extensive, and I'm talking extensive work in it. It's not an easy book. You're going to do some work. So I bring some of that learning in there and some, some just from our, our, our energy alignments. And really, it's the way you find out what your soul's true values are is to ask better questions questions ask better questions now there are specific questions and specific categories that you go through to figure out what those are and then we tie them to here's your financial goals here's your love and romance goals and here's your here's your social goals and here's your higher spiritual calling goals and so let's get those all aligned up with your true values and start getting little tiny shifts in your life that are heading you towards your true north because no matter where you're at in life when you Come to the moment where you're like, oh, these are my, my soul's true values and my life is headed that way. Well, we are these big cruise ships that have got a lot of momentum and it takes some time to change the direction. So, but when you have that two north and you can link your common everyday goals to it, you're going to find like the, the wind beneath your wings, the wind, the sails, you know, sails are full and you're going to have shifts because you have clarity. Yeah. 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 You know, um, Growth and expansion organizes to clarity. Yeah. So if you're wanting to grow and expand your happiness and joy in life, it can't happen until you're clear on who you are, what you value, what you're willing to put your energy towards, and what you want. I mean, Karen, that's one of the, the things that I asked myself a lot after my accident. It's like, what do I want? Mm -hmm. I'd never asked myself that before. I'd ask that question as far as how, what do I want to escape from this situation? But, you know, when's the last time that you sat and, and just sat down, right? What do I want right now? And just is a journaling process. And I would highly recommend it to your student or to your, your audience. And I, I have a little video that I've done on it and a little sheet. It's got an exercise that will get you back in tune with what does it feel like to become aware of and recognize your desires? because your soul speaks to you through your body. Mm -hmm. It's an energetic expression. If you're waiting for your soul to sit down on the couch with you and have a conversation, that's not necessarily going to happen. So it's an exercise to get you reconnected with your desires. And our loss of that connection starts when we're a child. You know, we've talked about it when you're, you want to wear your favorite yellow shirt or you want to go play or you want to you know, wear your boots with your shorts or whatever it is as a child. And the parents are like, that doesn't look right. You can't do that. We don't do this. You sit here and like, no, and then you go to school and they're like, you can't go to the bathroom until I tell you you can. And like, we, we shut down our connection with our body. So the number one thing to synopsis is, is, is get familiar with your own, own desires and then discover your true values. And with that, you're going to have everything because everything that you need, you already have inside you. Yeah, exactly. And often and, what you, you think... Know, Often what you think you want is not really what you want. It's a much, it's a much greater 
it's a bigger picture really uh like yeah for instance somebody might, somebody might want to you know have a lover fall in love get married that sort of like the desire for the partner uh in, in our yeah. current you know western civilization it's like get married you know pair up couple up have that that monogamous forever relationship mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean does that ever really work <laughs> I've tried it three times, never worked. Oh, rules. But, um, you know, really that desire for a partner is not really a desire for someone to love you. It's a desire to feel love. And mm-hmm. that doesn't come from the other. It comes from you. So when we, when we really understand why we want what we want, that's when we're going to dig into those core values. That's exactly. When we're, when we're going to find ourselves rather than thinking it's not the what I want, it's the why do I want what I want. Yeah. yeah. What will I have? What will I experience? when I have that thing, right? Because, yeah. What's, what's behind the want, right? Yeah. So yeah, you, you, you definitely nailed it. That's, it's a good question. Everybody should be asking. Everyone should be asking. Do I question. Want what I want? Yeah. question everything. Just going back to what we said, question everything, question your beliefs, question yeah. everything, question, question the way this world is run, like just question everything. Cause we are in this incredible shift and flux and chaos as we move to the next like with the near-death experience like going back to what you said before the before the aha comes the chaos so we're in the chaos at the moment many people out of the chaos are having the ahas some Mm -hmm. of us have had the ahas and we're navigating the chaos with ease and grace just like you were navigating your chaos like how your operations and life without a hand you know with that with that grace but um Many people at the moment on planet Earth are inside the chaos before yeah. the grace. So, yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. And I want them to know, and I want you to know out there that you're, you're not alone. What you're going through and what you're feeling and all of this, this uncertainty and loss of, loss of, of the, the thin veil of certainty that you had before, globally, we're all going through that. And even, even those of us that are enlightened or, or you know, of a higher consciousness, we're not there because there's no there to get. So even in, in my consciousness state right now, there are things where I have uncertainty and I'm not sure how to deal with situations and I'm questioning and I have fear come up for me. And sometimes I can meet it head on and go, Oh, my old friend, I love you. Go lay down, take a nap. I got this. And sometimes I dance with that friend. Right. And so you're not alone. And I would encourage everybody to reach out and and share your story. Ask questions. Ask questions of other people. If you don't know how to ask questions of yourself, just start asking questions of other people. Practice on other people. It's it's a really great, safe way to do it. Um, But you're not alone. You are so not alone. You You are more included than you've ever been in your life. And I hope you feel my heart behind that because we're all in this together more than we've ever been before right definitely are darling one we are all in this together oh your story has been so beautiful it's been such a blessing to meet you and hear your story as i said i feel like we're kindred spirits i feel like i've known you for eons of time i know when we first connected i was like it was it was like seeing like it's like all the good stuff of a party right (laughs) you know just all all the good stuff is like oh that just feels juicy feels good yeah (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure we well, I'm honored and blessed to be here. Thank you so much. Um, and for letting me cry and sniffle on your on your on your show with your audience. Oh, I love it when people cry. I do a lot of crying. But um 
as you'll see when you're watching the YouTube, I spotlight the guest so that I can sniff and cry and do all that stuff behind the scenes and no one sees me. <laughs> I know. I need to remember to bring Kleenex because my own story still makes me cry because I, I still hurt for the, for the woman that I was, right? I don't, I don't relate with her anymore, but, oh, I can still feel her pain. Yeah. And to, and to know that I loved myself, like I loved myself so much that I orchestrated that event to wake me up. Absolutely. And, and, pretty- and the one thing too is that that woman that you were, <clears throat> that sort of desperate, you know, dead inside, wanting to commit suicide, yeah. was also a creation of yours. Yes. You know, and you could just like you you could write a play and put that character in the play, like you've created that character and yeah. you've got to love that. You know, she 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 had a good time, even though she, she wasn't was feeling epic. good. She was yeah, epic. She was epic, she was man. Epic she did character. Some, she really was. And you know, people like they hear some of my backstory of, of the things I've done and experienced and gone through and lived through and all that. And they're like, you should write a book. I was like, man, she, she was she was crazy before we lost an all. just the weirdest stuff you know amazing experiences but again that's my soul's number one value is travel and adventure so even when I was in an unconscious state I was unconsciously seeking out all of that so it Mm -hmm. led to some really epically amazing experiences yeah yeah I think that we all should remember that all that we've been in our past all the parts that we had about ourselves is a character that our soul has designed and created and we can love it just like the character if we just like we scripted it in the play we can love every aspect of ourselves because yep. yeah I think I think that any soul that comes to planet earth to tell you the truth moon is it a courageous adventurous soul because life on planet earth especially now is the grand adventure of the universe of the cosmos right now right we are in this grand adventure so everyone's core value uh, whether they know it or not, is that adventure to be here, I think, to be here on planet yes. Earth at this time, at any, maybe at any time in history, to experience clarity and the density that's uh, that's available here. That is a grand adventure for the soul. Yeah. yeah, and we are. We're going through a shift right now that is going to be, I, I believe, looked back collectively as the shift from B.C. to A.D., yeah. the B.C.E. to, to right. whatever the other acronym is, um, after the thing I, that's what time is time is having a, a permanent break yeah absolutely. right now there's that we will we will i believe we'll start measuring time differently real yeah. soon just because this is such a huge global shift and right now when people are like it's so horrible how can you say this is good and the the metaphor that comes to mind is i i moved to arizona out of high school and i ended up living in this frat house that had been kind of abandoned and so this girlfriend and i move in and First morning, we wake up and we turn on the lights and there are just cockroaches everywhere. You know, it's a frat house. Um, wasn't clean. And and they just scatter. And some of them like flew up on our face and they were like running and there was nowhere to hide. They were everywhere. But they were, af- they were afraid and trying to get out, you know, either attacking, but it's like right now the world and the, and the powers that be that are doing the things that they're doing to try to hold on to their last grasp, grasp of power are like those cockroaches. There's a lot of chaos. There's a, a, a it's just disgusting and they're flying <laughs> in your face and I'm sorry. I, know. I love <laughs> it. The world leaders, cockroaches. <laughs> the cockroaches, cockroaches them, you know. scattering. Yeah. 
trying to hang on to control. They, they don't want us to take back our sovereignty yep. and understand yeah. that we are ultimately the creator of our reality. They're like, no, 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 we don't want you to understand that power. We want you to be afraid of us. We're creating your reality, not you. You're not creating uh, Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't break out of your character, right? <laughs> break out of your cage, yeah. Scattering exactly. the cockroach. That's, that's hilarious. I love that. <laughs> Oh, darling one, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's all about coming back to, just like I read in your bio, and just like you've been talking for the last hour, is coming back to that uh, surrendering and knowing that what did it say here that um, you became completely responsible? Yeah, the second she released the past, took yeah. responsibility and dropped the excuses. You're filled with an awareness of how you create every aspect of our life. Yeah, that's that's it. It's like radical acceptance radical acceptance yeah. great term radical responsibility oh, radical freedom radical rest. freedom you know that's the thing when you take when you when you master your response ability mm -hmm. you master. become free of it when you, know? you master your response ability you become free yeah exactly yeah can you meet love, a life, everything that's happening with love and understanding? Just like I was sharing with you that something's, you know, going on down under with the water. It's probably going on. Well, actually, it's going on in the States, probably going on everywhere. But um, it's not yeah. good. It's not happy. But uh, I can respond to it in a, yeah, I can respond to it in a different way than being upset or angry or feeling victimized. Yeah. My responsibility. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Yeah. Thank you again, beautiful one. It's been amazing. Thank you so much. Love to you and your audience. And I, I look forward to connecting with you in the future. Incredible hearing Moonwalker's story. Just incredible. Yeah, so many, so many aha moments during that one. So many things that she said that were just so beautiful and poignant and fabulous. <laughs> what a character. She's in Mexico. Ooh, I'd love to go over there. Puerto Vallarta, yeah, in the jungle. She said she just moved a couple of days ago into uh, a sort of a tree, like a, you know, up in the mountains, up in the trees. She said she was closer to the coast before, but now she's in the, in the, in the rainforest, in the jungle. In the jungle is the words that she used. Yeah, what an adventurous soul. We could all be as adventurous as, <laughs> as I said before. Huh? If you're here on planet Earth at the moment, you are an adventurous soul. What else is possible? What else can we explore and create? And what else is possible while we're here on planet Earth? What else is possible when we understand that we are the creators of our reality and we question our stressful thoughts instead of believing them? Uh, are those of you that know Byron Katie's story, it is um, what she said that the cockroach crawled over her foot and she woke up in this altered state where she understood that all her suffering for the 10 years that she'd been suffering in depression was because of one thing only, and that was because she believed her stressful thoughts. What if you don't believe them? What if you don't believe what you believe to be true about how you can't or what isn't possible? What if you just question that and you open to infinite possibility? What else is possible for you and us as a collective as a human collective, what else is possible on planet Earth? Infinite impossibilities. I don't know if any of you are into the secret space program or any of the podcast shows which talk about um, 
you know, cloning and consciousness moving from different bodies, just like an avatar, you know, the movie Avatar, like they take the consciousness, the personality, whatever you call it, the soul out of one body, put it in another body, uh, you know, space travel at the blink of an eye, like being, beam me up, Scotty, being in one place in a minute and then in another place, like infinite possibility is available, <laughs> infinite possibility. It's, it's mind boggling to think what is available when we start to open open our mind and use our consciousness in a way directed in a way that is more positive. We can direct it in a way that's more negative too. We can create more hell on earth or we can create heaven on earth and infinite possibilities. Yeah. What are you going to create? What are you going to create with your life? Let me know. Have you got some genius ideas about what you'd like to create? Maybe your conditioned programming says, nah, you can't do that. But indulge in it, indulge in your imagination, like indulge, go there, write it down, write it down, think about it, dream about it, visualize. I have a friend who's now teaching deliberate creation or law of attraction. She's a musician. She's moved out of the city now, but she was single for a very long time. She was doing, doing amazing things in her career. She's an incredible photographer. Her mother was a pop, um, a folk singer, quite well known in New Zealand. And her mother had said to her when she was a child, uh, oh, you have a beautiful voice, but that's not your path in life. Your path in life is somewhere else. So she had thought that her mother thought had said to her, you're not good enough to be a singer. So, so she had this lifelong desire to sing and didn't pursue it because she thought her mother, who was a professional singer, didn't think she was good enough. So that was a stressful thought that she believed for a very long time. And then she moved away from New Zealand, came to Australia and decided, I don't care if I'm not a good singer, I'm just going to do it anyway. She started a band and all sorts of things. And, and now she's a kirtan singer and she's put out beautiful CDs. But she was single for a very long time. She said to me, she came on my show. I met her many years ago. She came on my show when I was on radio. And she said at night she used to write love letters to herself and she turned those love letters into her first album. But she used to just engage, indulge in her romantic ideas of what it would be like to be with a partner. Her belief was, her stressful thought was, it's not going to happen for me in this lifetime. That was what she believed. But regardless of what she believed, she'd sit up at night and strum on the guitar and, and make up songs and just like this love, write love letters to herself and dream and visualize about being with a beautiful man who's totally on board with her and, you know, just, just go into that fantasy. <laughs> and it happened. They met, they fell in love, they got married, they moved out of the city, they started this beautiful healing retreat in the country, they've got this big dome now where people come and get, and their life is, and her life is completely transformed. Never did she think any of that was possible when she believed her stressful thoughts. But when she indulged in her uh, dreams, all of it came true. It was the same when I met my second husband. He never dreamt because he was so conditioned to think that he was a failure, that he didn't think it was any point in dreaming. There's no reason to dream about or desire anything because I'm never going to have it. Because I'm never going to have it. So what's the point? Just go to work, earn some money, pay the bills. So when he met me... <laughs> I asked him what he wanted to do. It took me months to get it out of him. And I just, I said to him, just fantasize, just go there, just, just anything. And he said, well, I don't know. I'd like to travel the world. I've never traveled. Within months of having that conversation with him and asking him to indulge in his fantasies, 
somebody married us at a spiritual seminar then a friend of mine a client who became a friend who inherited lots of money gave us thousands of dollars forty thousand dollars and said i want to send you on a honeymoon and i want you to be away for three months and uh, his work had introduced what was called a career break where you could take three months off without losing your job and like all the puzzle pieces fell into place and that dream that fantasy that engaging in his dream that i asked him to do came completely true we traveled the world together uh, and we went to mother india because he used to be a Hare krishna and he um he really wanted to go there so yeah it's amazing what's possible when you stop believing your stressful thoughts and just in indulge in your dreams indulge in your dreams my dreams for life are more collective i don't really have many personal desires anymore i've done a lot in this life but i have a lot of desires for the collective about what's possible with a consciousness technology and seeing consciousness um, you know universities like come up all over the world where we teach this stuff and it becomes this teaching becomes more mainstream like we're taught it in school and instead of cramming our brains full of stuff we don't need we're taught about who we are and how to utilize our consciousness so they're my dreams and i don't even have to live them i know they're going to come true and i could be dead and they come true but i'm just putting my focus into that collective energy to help manifest that in the world as i dream about it as i think about it as i as i want it as i desire it i help it manifest into this world by um, by thinking about it yeah and i don't even have to do it i probably well i'm doing it with my work and with the shows and i'll be doing it uh, in other ways but uh yeah you can just add to the collective creation by thinking about it what do you want what do you want for this world what do you want for your life dream fantasize think focus you are amazing all right i'm rabbiting on i'm going to stop and thanks again for joining me and please share the shows if you're liking the shows uh and send me a comment let me know write your dreams in the comments um send me an email if you're listening to this on audio podcast platforms let me know let me know what you want for yourself and collectively for the world how do you see this world evolving rather than focusing on all the stuff that's coming out in the media and in the alternative media of all the um terrible things that are happening because there's some really stuff there's some really terrible things that are happening um and being revealed rather than focusing on that focus on what else is possible you are powerful and uh yes as i said or i was just chatting with um moon after the show rachel byrne is coming up in the next couple of weeks in the inner sanctum and they they it is now live streaming on the youtube platform and i'll probably live stream it on other platforms as well and uh, if you want to come and meet the guests and, and ask them questions and meet them on zoom just join the inner sanctum it's free to join and um, i always ask for donations if you're enjoying the shows and you're getting a lot out of this there's, there's a paypal link under every show where you can make a donation a dollar two dollars five dollars whatever whatever you know make it don't make it it's all good but if you're appreciating it i appreciate you supporting the work so big love to all of you and remember check out the book awakened by death if you haven't already bye for now